So we're going to start our readings every day by reading the prayer by Sanatana Goswami glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's called Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram. It's from the Sri Krishna Lila Stava and it goes like this <clears throat> Sarva Shastrabdipi Yusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnadya Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures singular fruit of all the Vedas rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabhu, Kalidvandotita Ditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life, heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshaksharayate Sarvadasavasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Marekabando Matsangin Madguro man mahadana, man nistadagman bhagya, mad anandana My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu sadhuta dayin, atini chuchatakada. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, <clears throat> please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya We begin our Kartik Vrat by reading the Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead which was Śrīla Prabhupāda's <coughs> genius way of giving us the tenth canto of Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam in a summary form. So we're going to start right from the beginning, right? <clears throat> to my father, Gaur Mohan Day, 1849 <coughs> to 1930. A pure devotee of Krishna, who raised me as a Krishna conscious child from the beginning of my life. In my boyhood ages, he instructed me how to play the Madanga. He gave me Radha, Krishna, Vigraha to worship, and he gave me Jagannath Ratha to duly observe the festival as my childhood play. He was kind to me, and I imbibed from him the ideas later on solidified by my spiritual master, the Eternal Father. Words from Apple Everybody's looking for Krishna. Some don't realize it. Some don't realize that they are, but they are. Krishna is God, the source of all that exists, the cause of all that is, was, or ever will be. As God is unlimited, He has many names. Allah, Buddha, Jehovah, Rama, all are Krishna, all are one. <clears throat> God, is not God is not abstract. 
he has both the impersonal and personal aspects to his personality, which is the supreme, eternal, blissful, and full of knowledge. As a single drop of water has the same qualities as an ocean of water, so is our consciousness, the qualities of God's consciousness. But through our identification and attachment with material energy, physical body, sense pleasures, material possessions, ego, etc., our true transcendental consciousness has been polluted. And like a dirty mirror, it is unable to reflect a pure image. With many lives, our association with the temporary body has grown. This impermanent body, a bag of bones and flesh, is mistaken for our true self, and we have accepted this temporary condition to be final. Through all ages, great saints have remained as living proof that this non-temporary permanent state of God-consciousness can be revived in all living souls. Each soul is potentially divine. <clears throat> Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, steady in the self, being freed from all material contamination, the yogi achieves the highest perfectional stage of happiness in touch with the Supreme Consciousness. Yoga, a scientific method for God, self-realization, is the process is the process by which we purify our consciousness, stop further pollution, and arrive at the state of perfection, full knowledge, full bliss. If there's a God, I want to see Him. It's pointless to believe in something without proof, and Krishna consciousness and meditation are methods where you can actually obtain God perception. You can actually see God, and hear Him, play with Him, it may sound crazy, but he is actually there, actually with you. There are many yogic paths, Raja, Jnana, Hatha, Kriya, Karma, Bhakti, which are all acclaimed by the masters of each method. Swami Bhaktivinata, following the path of devotion, <clears throat> by serving God through each thought, word and deed, and by chanting his holy names, the devotee quickly develops God-consciousness by chanting. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Nivrtatarsha Rupakiyamana Preface Bhavaushadach Chotramanu Birama Kautama Shloka Gunanuvada Puman Virajita Vinapashubnad Srimad Bhagavatam 10, 1, 4 in the Western countries, when someone sees the cover of a book like Krishna, he immediately asks, who is Krishna? Who's the girl with Krishna, etc. <clears throat> the immediate answer is that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. How is that? Because he conforms in exact detail to descriptions of the Supreme Being, the Godhead. In other words, Krishna is the Godhead because he is all attractive. Outside the principle of all attraction, there's no meaning to the word Godhead. How is it one can be all attractive? First of all, if one is very wealthy. If he has great riches, he becomes attractive to the people in general. Similarly, if someone is very powerful, he also becomes attractive. And if someone is very famous, he also becomes attractive. And if someone is very beautiful or wise or unattached, to all kinds of possessions, he also becomes attractive. So from practical experience, we can observe that one is attractive due to one, wealth, two, power, three, fame, four, beauty, five, wisdom, and six, renunciation. One who is in possession of all six of these opulences at the same time, who possesses them to an unlimited degree is understood to be the Supreme Personality of Godhead. These opulences of the Godhead are delineated by Parashara Muni, a great Vedic authority. We have seen many rich persons, many powerful persons, many famous persons, many beautiful persons, many learned and scholarly persons, and persons in the renounced order of life unattached to material possessions. But we have never seen 
any one person who is unlimitedly and simultaneously wealthy, powerful, famous, beautiful, wise and unattached like Krishna in the history of humanity. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is a historical person who appeared on this earth 5,000 years ago. He stayed on this earth for 125 years and played exactly like a human being, but his activities were unparalleled. From the very moment of his appearance to the moment of his disappearance, every one of his activities is unparalleled in the history of the world. And therefore, anyone who knows what we mean by Godhead will accept Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. No one is equal to the Godhead and no one is greater than him. That is the import of the familiar saying, God is great. There are various classes of men in the world who speak of God in different ways. But according to the Vedic literatures and according to the great Acharyas, the authorized persons versed in the knowledge of God in all ages, like Acharyas Shankara, Ramanuja, Madhva, Vishnu Swami, Lord Chaitanya, and all their followers by disciplic succession, all unanimously agree that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As far as we, the followers of Vedic civilization, are concerned, we accept the Vedic history of the whole universe, which consists of different planetary systems called Swargaloka, or the higher planetary system, Martyaloka, or the intermediate planetary system, and Patalaloka, or the lower planetary system. The modern historians of this earth cannot supply historical evidences of events that occurred before 5,000 years ago, and the anthropologists say that 40,000 years ago, Homo sapiens had not appeared on this planet because evolution had not reached that point. But the Vedic histories, such as the Puranas and Mahabharata, relate human histories which extend millions and billions of years into the past. Mm. <clears throat> For example, from these literatures we are given the histories of Krishna's appearances and disappearances millions and billions of years ago. In the fourth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna that both he and Arjuna had had many births before and that he, Krishna, could remember all of them, but Arjuna could not. This illustrates the difference between the knowledge of Krishna and that of Arjuna. <clears throat> Arjuna might have been a great, very great warrior, a well-cultured member of the Kuru dynasty, but after all, he was an ordinary human being, whereas Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the possessor of unlimited knowledge. Because he possesses unlimited knowledge, Krishna has a memory that is boundless. Krishna's knowledge is so perfect that he remembers all the incidents of his appearances some millions and billions of years in the past. But Arjuna's memory and knowledge are limited by time and space, for he is an ordinary human being. In the fourth chapter, Krishna states that he can remember instructing the lessons of the Bhagavad Gita some millions of years ago to the sun god, Vivaswan. <clears throat> Nowadays, it is the fashion of the atheistic class of men to try to become God by following some mystic process. Generally, the atheists claim to be God by dint of their imagination or their meditational prowess. Krishna is not that kind of God. He does not become God by manufacturing some mystic process of meditation. Nor does he become God by undergoing the severe austerities of the mystic yogic exercises. Properly speaking, he never becomes God because he is the Godhead in all circumstances. <clears throat> Within the prison of his maternal uncle Kamsa, where his father and mother were confined, Krishna appeared outside his mother's body as the four-handed Vishnu, Narayana. Then he turned himself into a baby and told his father to carry him to the house of Nanda Maharaj and his wife, Yashoda. When Krishna was just a small baby, the gigantic demoness, Putana, attempted to kill him 
but when he sucked her breast, he pulled out her life. That is the difference between the real Godhead and a God manufactured in the mystic factory. Krishna had no chance to practice the mystic yoga process, yet he manifested himself as the Supreme Personality of Godhead at every step, from infancy to childhood, from childhood to boyhood, and from boyhood to young manhood. In this book, Krishna, all of his activities as a human being are described. Although Krishna plays like a human being, he always maintains his identity as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Since Krishna is all-attractive, one should know that all his desires should be focused on Krishna. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that the individual person is the proprietor or master of his own body, but that Krishna, who is the Supersoul present in everyone's heart, is the Supreme Proprietor and Supreme Master of each and every individual body. As such, if we concentrate our loving propensities upon Krishna only, then immediately universal love, unity and tranquility will be automatically realized. When one waters the, tr the root of a tree, he automatically waters the branches, twigs, leaves and flowers. When one supplies food to the stomach through the mouth, he, has, he satisfies all the various parts of the body. The art of focusing one's attention on the Supreme and giving one's love to Him is called Krishna Consciousness. We, we have inaugurated the Krishna Consciousness movement so that everyone can satisfy his propensity for loving others simply by directing his love toward Krishna. The whole world is loving others simply by directing his... Oh, the whole world is very eager to satisfy the dormant propensity of love for others. But the various invented methods like socialism, communism, altruism, humanitarianism and nationalism along with whatever else one may be manufactured for the peace and prosperity of the world are all, are all useless and frustrating because of our gross ignorance of the art of loving Krishna. Generally people think that by advancing the cause of moral principles and religious rights they will be happy. Others may think that happiness can be achieved by economic development and yet others think that simply by sense gratification they will be happy. But the real fact is that people can be happy only by loving Krishna. Krishna can perfectly reciprocate one's loving propensities in different relationships called mellows or rasas. Basically there are twelve loving relationships. One can love Krishna as the supreme unknown, as the supreme master, the supreme friend, the supreme child, the supreme lover. These are the five basic love rasas. One can also love Krishna indirectly in seven different relationships which are apparently different from the five primary relationships. All in all, however, if one simply reposes his dormant loving propensity in <clears throat> Krishna, then his life becomes successful. This is not a fiction, but it is a fact that can be realized by practical application. One can directly perceive the effects that love for Krishna has on his life. In the ninth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, this science of Krishna consciousness is called the king of all knowledge, the king of all confidential things, and the supreme science of transcendental realization. Yet we can directly experience the results of this science of Krishna consciousness because it is very easy to practice and it is very pleasurable. Whatever percentage of Krishna consciousness we can perform will become an eternal asset to our life for it is imperishable in all circumstances. It has now been actually proved that today's confused and frustrated younger generation in the Western countries can directly perceive the results of channeling the loving propensity toward Krishna alone. It is said 
that although one executes severe austerities, penances, and sacrifices in his life, if he fails to awaken his dormant love for Krishna, then all his penances are to be considered useless. On the other hand, if one has awakened his dormant love for Krishna, then what is the use of executing austerities and penances unnecessarily? The Krishna Consciousness Movement is the unique gift of Lord Chaitanya to the fallen souls of this age. It is a very simple method which has actually been carried out during the last four years in the Western countries, and there is no doubt that this movement can satisfy the dormant loving propensities of humanity. This book, Krishna, is another presentation to help the Krishna Consciousness Movement in the Western world. This transcendental work of literature is published with profuse illustrations. People love to read various kinds of fiction to spend their time and energy. Now this tendency can be directed to Krishna. <clears throat> the result will be the imperishable satisfaction of the soul, both individually and collectively. It is said in the Bhagavad Gita that even a little effort expended on the path of Krishna consciousness <coughs> can save one from the greatest danger. Hundreds of thousands of examples can be cited of people who have escaped the greatest dangers of life due to a slight advancement in Krishna consciousness. We therefore request everyone to take advantage of this great transcendental literary work. One will find that by reading one page after another, an immense treasure of knowledge in art, science, literature, philosophy, and religion will be revealed. And ultimately, by reading this one book, Krishna, Love of Godhead will fructify. Can I get a hurry bowl on that? My grateful acknowledgement is due to Srimad George Harrison, now chanting Hare Krishna, for his liberal contribution of $19,000 to meet the entire cost of printing this volume. May Krishna bestow upon this nice boy further advancement in Krishna consciousness. Close the door, please. And everybody who's coming in and out, make sure you close it all the way. It's got to close all the way. Otherwise, you have to bring ladus. Five ladus for every time you leave the door open. And at last, my ever-willing blessings are bestowed upon Sriman Shamasundar Das Adhikari, Sriman Brahmananda Das Brahmachari, Sriman Hayagriva Das Adhikari, Sriman Satsrup Das Adhikari, Srimati Devahuti Devi Dasi, Srimati Jadarani Devi Dasi, Sriman Muralidar Das Brahmachari, Srimad Bhardaraj Das Adhikari, and Srimad Pradumna Das Adhikari, etc., for their hard labor in different ways to make this publication a great success. Hare Krishna, Advent Day of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, February 26, 1970, ISKCON Headquarters, 3764 Watseka Avenue, Los Angeles, California. Haribo. Haribo. <coughs> Krishna, 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 Krishna. Krishna, 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 Rama Raghava Rakshamam Krishna Keshava Krishna Keshava Krishna Keshava Ahimam Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhya 7 96 <clears throat> While attempting to write this book Krishna let me first offer my respectful obeisances unto my spiritual master Om Vishupad 108, Sri Srimad Bhaktisiddhanta, Saraswati Gosami Maharaj, Prabhupada. Then, let me offer my respectful obeisances to the ocean of mercy, Lord Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna Himself, appearing in the role of a devotee, 
just to distribute the highest principles of devotional service. Lord Chaitanya began his preaching from the country known as Godadesh, West Bengal. And as I belong to the Madhvat Gaudiya Sampradaya, I must therefore offer my respectful obeisances to the disciplic succession of that name. This Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya is also known as the Brahma Sampradaya because the disciplic succession originally began from Brahma. Brahma instructed the sage Narada. Narada instructed Vyasadeva and Vyasadeva instructed Madhva Muni or Madhvacharya. Sri Madhavendra Puri, the originator of the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, was a sannyasi, renunciant, who belonged to the Madhvacharya disciplic succession. <clears throat> he had many renowned disciples, such as Nityananda Prabhu, Advaita Prabhu, and Ishwara Puri. Ishwara Puri, Puri happened to be the spiritual master of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So let us offer our respectful obeisances to Ishwara Puri, Nityananda Prabhu, Sri Advaita Acharya Prabhu, Sri Vas Pandit, and Sri Gadadhar Pandit. Next, let us offer our respectful obeisances to Sarup Damodar, who acted as the private secretary to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <clears throat> and let us offer our respectful obeisances to Sri Vasudeva Datta. And the, const and the constant attendant of Lord Chaitanya, Sri Govinda, and the constant friend of Lord Chaitanya, Mukunda, and also to Morari Gupta. And let us offer our respectful obeisances to the six Goswamis of Vrindavan, Sri Rupa Goswami, Sri Sanatan Goswami, Sri Raghunath Das Bhatta Goswami, Sri Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Sri Jiva Goswami, and Sri Raghunath Das Goswami. Krishna himself has explained in the Bhagavad Gita that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead and that whenever there are discrepancies in the regulative principles of man's religious life and the prominence of irreligious activities, he appears on this earthly planet. In other words, when Lord Sri Krishna appeared, there was a necessity of minimizing the load of sinful activities accumulated on, accumulated on this planet or in this universe. For affairs of the material creation, Lord Mahavishnu, the plenary portion of Krishna, is in charge. Thus, when the Lord descends, the incarnation emanates from Vishnu. Mahavishnu is the original cause of the material creation and from him Garbhodakashayi Vishnu expands and then Chirodakashayi Vishnu. Generally, all the incarnations appearing within this material universe are plenary expansions from Chirodakashayi Vishnu. Therefore, the business of minimizing the overload of sinful activities on this earth does not belong to the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna himself. But when Krishna appears, all the Vishnu expansions join with him. Krishna's different expansions, namely Narayana, the quadruple expansion of Vasudeva, Sankrishan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha, as well as, the par as well as partial plenary expansions like Matsya, the incarnation of a fish, and the Yugavataras, incarnations for the millennium, and the Manvatara avatars, incarnations associated with the reigns of Manus, of the Manus, all combine together and appear with the body of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna is the complete whole and, and thus all plenary expansions and incarnations always live with Him. Therefore, when Krishna appeared, Lord Vishnu was with Him. Krishna actually appears in order to demonstrate his Vrindavan pastimes and in this way attract the fortunate conditioned souls and invite them back home, back to Godhead. The killing of the demons in Vrindavan was carried out 
only by the Vishnu portion of Krishna. The Lord's abode is described in the Bhagavad Gita, 8th chapter, 20th verse, where it is stated that there is another, eternal nature, the spiritual sky, which is transcendental to this manifested and non-manifested matter. The manifested world can be seen in the form of many stars and planetary systems, such as the sun and moon. But beyond this, there is a non-manifested portion which is not approachable by anyone in this body. And beyond that non-manifested matter is the spiritual kingdom. That kingdom, is, that kingdom is described in the Bhagavad Gita as supreme and eternal, never to be annihilated. This material nature is subjected to repeated creation and annihilation. But that part, the spiritual nature, remains as it is, eternally. The supreme abode of the personality of Godhead Krishna is also described in the Brahma Sangita as the abode of Chintamani, that abode of Lord Krishna, known as Goloka Vrindavan, is full of palaces made of touchstone. There the trees are called desire trees and the cows are called surabi. The Lord is served, the Lord is served there by hundreds and thousands of goddesses of fortune. <clears throat> His name is Govinda, the primeval Lord, and He is the cause of all causes. There the Lord plays his flute. His eyes are like lotus petals and the color of his body is like that of a beautiful cloud. On his head is a peacock feather. He is so attractive that he excels thousands of cupids. <clears throat> In the Bhagavad Gita, <clears throat> Lord Krishna gives only a hint of his personal abode, which is the supermost planet in the spiritual kingdom. But in Srimad Bhagavatam, Krishna actually appears with all his paraphernalia and demonstrates his activities in Vrindavan, then at Mathura, and then at Dwaraka. The subject matter of this book will gradually reveal all these activities. The family in which Krishna appeared is called the Yadu dynasty. This Yadu dynasty belongs to the family descending from Soma, the god in the moon planet. There are two different Chatriya families of the royal order, one descending from the king of the moon planet and the other descending from the king of the sun planet. When the Supreme Personality of Godhead appears, he generally appears in a Chatriya family because he has to establish religious principles or the life of righteousness. The Chatriya family is the protector of the human race according to the Vedic system. When the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna appeared as Lord Ramachandra, he appeared in the family descending from the sun god known as the Raghubhangsha. And when he appeared as Lord Krishna, he did so in the family known as the Yadubhangsha. There is a long list of the kings of the Yadubhangsha in the ninth canto, 24th chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam. All of them were great powerful kings. Krishna's, father, Krishna's father's name was Vasudev, son of Shurasena, descending from the Yadu dynasty. Actually, the Supreme Personality of Godhead does not belong to any dynasty of this material world but the family in which the Supreme Personality of God it appears becomes famous by His grace. For example, sandalwood is produced in the states of Malaya. Sandalwood has its own qualifications apart from Malaya. But because accidentally this wood is, is mainly produced <coughs> in the states of Malaya, it is known as Malayan sandalwood. Similarly, Krishna the Supreme Personality of Godhead belongs to everyone. But just as the sun rises from the east, although there are other, direct, although there are other directions from which it could rise, so by his own choice, the Lord appears in a particular family 
and that family becomes famous. As explained above, when Krishna appears, all his plenary expansions appear with him. Krishna appeared along with Balaram, Baladev, who is known as his elder brother. Balaram is the origin of Sankarsana, of the quadruple expansion. Balaram is also the plenary expansion of Krishna. In this book, the attempt will be made to show how Krishna appeared in the family of the Yadra dynasty and how he displayed his transcendental characteristics. This is very vividly described in Srimad Bhagavatam, specifically the 10th canto, and thus the basis of this book will be the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. The pastimes of the Lord are generally heard and relished by liberated souls. Those who are conditioned souls are interested in reading stories of the material activities of some common man. Although similar narrations describing the transcendental activities of the Lord are found in Srimad Bhagavatam and other Puranas, the conditioned souls still prefer to study ordinary narrations. They are not so interested in studying the narrations of the pastimes of the Lord Krishna. And yet the descriptions of the pastimes of Lord Krishna are so attractive that they are relishable for all classes of men. There are three classes of men in this world. One class consists of liberated souls, another consists of those who are trying to be liberated, and the third consists of materialistic men. Whatever one is, <clears throat> whether one is liberated or is trying to be liberated, or is even grossly materialistic, the pastimes of Lord Krishna are worth studying. Liberated souls have no interest in materialistic activities. The impersonalist theory that after liberation one becomes inactive and need not hear anything does not prove that a liberated person is actually inactive. A liberated soul cannot be inactive. A living soul, rather, cannot be inactive. He is active either in the conditioned state or in the liberated state. It is a diseased person, for example, is also active, but his activities are all painful. The same person, when freed from the diseased condition, is still active, but in the healthy condition, the activities are full of pleasure. Similarly, the impersonalists only seek to get free from the diseased conditioned activities, but they have no information of activities in the healthy condition. Those who are actually liberated and in full knowledge take to hearing the activities of Krishna, such engagement is pure spiritual activity. It is essential for persons who are actually liberated to hear about the pastimes of Krishna. That is the supreme relishable subject matter for one in the liberated state. Also, if persons who are trying to be liberated hear such narrations as the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, then their path of liberation becomes very clear. The Bhagavad Gita is the preliminary study of Srimad Bhagavatam. By studying the Gita, one becomes fully conscious of the position of Lord Krishna, and when he is situated at the lotus feet of Krishna, he understands the narrations of Krishna as described in Srimad Bhagavatam. Lord Chaitanya has therefore advised his followers that their business is to propagate Krishna Kata. Krishna Kata means narrations about Lord Krishna. There are two Krishna Katas, narrations spoken by Krishna and narrations spoken about Krishna. The Bhagavad Gita is the narration or the philosophy on the science of Krishna, spoken by Krishna himself. Srimad Bhagavatam is the narration about the activities and transcendental pastimes of Krishna. Both are Krishna Kata. It is the order of Lord Chaitanya that Krishna Kata should be spread all over the world because if the conditioned souls suffering under the pangs of material existence take to Krishna Kata, then their path of liberation will be open and clear. The purpose of presenting this book is, <clears throat> is primarily to induce people to understand Krishna or Krishna Kata, because therefore they can become freed from material bondage. Because thereby, the purpose of presenting this book is pri primarily to induce people to understand Krishna or Krishna Kata, because thereby, they can become freed from material bondage. This Krishna Kata 
will also be very much appealing to the most materialistic persons because Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, cowherd girls, are exactly like the loving affairs between young girls and boys within this material world. Actually, the sex feeling found in human society is not unnatural because this same sex feeling is there in the original personality of Godhead. The pleasure potency is called Srimati Radharani. The attraction of loving affairs on the basis of sex feeling is the original feature of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and we, the conditioned souls, being part and parcel of the Supreme, have such feelings also, but they are experienced within a perverted, minute condition. Therefore, when those who are after sex life in this material world hear about Krishna's pastimes with the gopis, they will relish transcendental pleasure, although it appears to be materialistic. The advantage will be that they will gradually be elevated to the spiritual platform. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is stated, <coughs> excuse me, in the Bhagavatam, it is stated that if one hears the pastimes of Lord Krishna with the gopis from authorities with submission, then he will be promoted to the platform of transcendental loving service to the Lord, and the material disease of lust within his heart will be completely vanquished. In other words, such hearing will counteract material sex life. <clears throat> this book, this book, Krishna, which is filled with Krishna Kata, will thus appeal equally to the liberated souls and to persons who are trying to be liberated, as well as to the gross, conditioned materialist. According to the statement of Maharaj Prikshit, who heard about Krishna from Shukadeva Goswami, Krishna Kata is equally applicable to every human being, whatever condition of life he is in. Surely everyone will appreciate it to the highest magnitude. But, but Maharaj Prikshit also warned that persons who are simply engaged in killing animals and in killing themselves may not be very much attracted to Krishna Kata. In other words, ordinary persons who are following the regulative moral principles of scriptures, no matter in what condition they are found, will certainly be attracted, but not persons who are killing themselves. The exact word used in Srimad Bhagavatam is Pashugna, which means one who is killing animals or killing himself. Persons who are not self-realized and who are not interested in spiritual realization are killing themselves. They are committing suicide. Because this human form of life is especially meant for self-realization, by neglecting this important part of his activities, one simply wastes his time like the animals. So he is Pashugna. The other meaning of the word refers to those who are actually killing animals. This means persons who are animal eaters, even dog eaters. For they are all engaged in killing animals in so many ways, such as hunting and opening slaughterhouses. Such persons cannot be interested in Krishna Kata. King, uh, King Parikshit was especially interested in hearing Krishna Kata because he knew that his forefathers, particularly his grandfather Arjuna, were victorious in the great battle of Kurukshetra only because of Krishna. We may also take this material world as a battlefield of Kurukshetra. Everyone is struggling hard for existence on this battlefield at every step and at every step there is danger. According to Maharaj Prikshit, the battlefield of Kurukshetra was just like a vast ocean full of dangerous animals. His grandfather Arjuna had to fight with such great heroes as Bhishma, Drona, Karna and many others who were not ordinary fighters. Such warriors have been compared to the Timbingila fish in the ocean. The Timbingila fish can very easily swallow up big whales. The great fighters on the battlefield of Kurukshetra could swallow many, many Arjunas very easily. But simply due to Krishna's mercy, Arjuna was able to kill all of them. Just as one can cross with no exertion over the little bit of water 
contained in the hoofprint of a calf. So Arjuna, by the grace of Krishna, was able to very easily jump over the ocean of the battle of Kurukshetra. Maharaj Pariksit very much appreciated Krishna's activities for many other reasons. Not only was his grandfather saved by Krishna, but he himself also was saved by Krishna. By the end of the battle of Kurukshetra, all the members of the Kuru dynasty, both the sons and grandsons, on the side of Dhritarashtra and those on the side of the Pandavas, had died in the fighting. Except the five Pandava brothers, everyone died on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. Maharaj Pariksit was at that time within the womb of his mother. His father, Abhimanyu, the son of Arjuna, who died in the battle, on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. His father, Abhimanyu, the son of Arjuna, also died on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. And so, Maharaj Pariksit was a posthumous child. When he was in the womb of his mother, a Brahmastra weapon was released by Ashwatthama to kill the child. When Pariksit Maharaj's mother, Uttara, approached Krishna, Krishna, seeing the danger of abortion, entered her, entered her womb as the Supersoul and saved Maharaj Pariksit. Maharaj, Pariksit, others, others, Maharaj Pariksit's other name is Vishnu Rata because he was saved by Lord Vishnu himself while still within the womb. Thus everyone in any condition of life should be interested in hearing about Krishna and his activities because he is the Supreme Absolute Truth, the Personality of Godhead. He is all-pervading. Inside, He is living within everyone's heart, and outside, He is living as His universal form. And yet, as described in the Bhagavad Gita, He appears as He is in the human society just to invite everyone to His transcendental abode, back home, back to Godhead. Everyone should be interested in knowing about Krishna. And this book is presented with this purpose, that people may know about Krishna and be perfectly benefited in this human form of life. In the ninth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, Sri Baladev is described as the son of Rohini, a wife of Vasudeva. Vasudeva, the wife of Krishna, excuse me, Vasudeva, the father of Krishna, had 16 wives and one of them was Rohini, the mother of Baladev. But Baladev is also described as the son of Devaki. So how could he be the son of both Devaki and Rohini? This was one of the questions put by Maharaj Pariksit to Shukadev Goswami. And it will be answered in due course. <coughs> Maharaj Pariksit also asked Shukadev Goswami, why Sri Krishna, just after his appearance as the son of Vasudev, was immediately carried to the house of Nanda Maharaj in Vrindavan Gokula? He also wanted to know what the activities of Lord Krishna were while he was in Vrindavan and while he was in Mathura. Besides that, he was especially inquisitive to know why Krishna killed his maternal uncle, Kangsa. Kangsa being the brother of his mother, was a very intimate superior to Krishna. So how was it that he killed Kangsa? Also, Maharaj Pariksit asked how many years Lord Krishna remained in human society, how many years he reigned over the kingdom of Dwarka, and how many wives he accepted there. A Chatriya king is generally accustomed to accept more than one wife. Therefore, Maharaj Pariksit also inquired about the number of his wives, a number of his, about his number of wives. <clears throat> the subject matter of this book is Shukadeva Goswami's answering of these and other questions asked by Maharaj Pariksit. The, the position of Maharaj Pariksit and Shukadeva Goswami is unique. Maharaj Pariksit is the right person to hear about the transcendental pastimes of Krishna. And Shukadeva Goswami is the right person to describe them. If such a fortunate combination is made possible, then Krishna Katha immediately becomes revealed. <clears throat>
Hmm. And people may benefit to the highest possible degree from such a conversation. Takes two to tango. This narration was presented by Shukadev Goswami when Maharaj Pariksit was prepared to give up his body, fasting on the bank of the Ganges, in order to assure Shukadev Goswami that by hearing Krishna Katha, he would not feel tired. Maharaj Pariksit expressed himself very frankly. Hunger and thirst may give trouble to ordinary persons or to me, but the topics of Krishna are so nice that one can continue to hear them without feeling tired because such hearing situates one in the transcendental position. It is understood that one must be very fortunate to hear Krishna Katha as seriously as Maharaj Pariksit did. He was especially intent on the subject matter because he was expecting death at any moment. Every one of us should be conscious of death at every moment. This life is not at all assured. At any time one can die. It does not matter whether one is a young man or an old man. So before death takes place, one must be fully Krishna conscious. At the point of his death, King Prikshit was hearing Srimad Bhagavatam from Shukadev Goswami. When King Prikshit expressed his untiring desire to hear about Krishna, Shukadev Goswami was very much pleased. Shukadev was the greatest of all Bhagavat reciters, and thus he began to speak about Krishna's pastimes, which destroy all inauspiciousness in this age of Kali. Shukadev Goswami thanked the king for his eagerness to hear about Krishna, and he encouraged him by saying, my dear King, your intelligence is very keen because you are eager. <clears throat> My dear King, your intelligence is very keen <clears throat> because you are so eager to hear about the pastimes of Krishna. He informed Maharaj Pariksit that hearing and chanting the pastimes of Krishna are so auspicious that the, that the processes purify the three varieties of men involved. He who recites the transcendental topics of Krishna, he who hears such topics, and he who, and he who inquires about him. <clears throat> These pastimes are just like the Ganges water, which flows from the toe of Lord Vishnu. They purify the three worlds, the upper, middle, and lower planetary systems. Corporate Monday, how do you go? Not to the Armarman, 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 not to the Armarman.